Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the High Hopes Podcast. High Hopes. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Philadelphia Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. edition of the high hopes podcast jack we back baseball is back never doubted him never <laughs> once doubted this major that was league. clean easy it was oh. a nice smooth return to the field oh i love to see that everyone's getting along and everything's great so everyone is <laughs> yeah. harmony really if i had to describe that the last three months with one word it would be harmony yeah i think it's word you know between everyone involved right really. and and the thing that makes me so happy is that there's not going to be a work stoppage after 2021 <laughs> yeah well yeah well i was gonna say what, what makes me happy is that i don't have to talk about labor negotiations anymore yeah but you alluding to it's just a respite. I mean, I will again have to talk about labor negotiations. Oh, yeah. I'm going to take, take the break and enjoy it. Yeah. Um, all right. Let, let's dive into this. First and foremost, Jack, I, I know, like, at least for me, uh, you know, I was really angry throughout this whole thing. I got mad. I was annoyed, you know, animosity, all that stuff. And then baseball's back. And I'm not saying I'm not still annoyed at how it all happened and that I don't wish we had more games and stuff, but. I just find myself excited, man. Like, I, excitement has taken over the anger and the frustration. Is that where you're at, too? Totally agree with you. When, like, when, 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 uh, what was it? Monday happened, um, and they, 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 they were the players, uh, like, did not accept the sixty game. Right, and I was just 
so downtrodden. Um, I know you were. I know you were. <laughs> like you were, you were really you. You were like, this is gonna happen. This is the one. I felt Let's good. Go. I felt Jim good about Bowden it. earlier in the days. Like today's gonna be a good day for baseball. You're all jacked up. I know. I was with you. I saw you. Yeah, it was. So I was. I was ready to go. Like my body was fully ready for there to be major league baseball and and everything. Um, and then so. They, they rejected or whatnot. That's when I'm leaving work. I'm depressed driving home. You know, I'm just sad and thinking about the future of my sport. <laughs> driving along, listening to the Incredible Hulk music, like, do, 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 do. Yeah. Like, looking out the window all sad. Uh, I can see it. Yeah. That was, that was the uh, SBCA music with Sarah McLaughlin. That was playing. <laughs> <laughs> playing at the same time. Um, so, yeah. Then I get home, and it starts to break that, hey, well, first first off, <laughs> friend of the show, Bob Nightingale, says nothing's happening tonight. And <laughs> five minutes later. You can't win them all, Bob. You can't win them all. Yeah, he's had a rough uh, rough little stretch here, uh, yes. Bob. But, um, yeah, so so it comes back, and, you know, they're, they're starting to break that, that it's actually going to be 60 games rather than the 50 games, which I was excited about. But, honestly, my first reaction was, was kind of like, cool, glad, <laughs> cool. You guys figured it out. You guys. Yeah. It's like, like, wow. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. You guys nailed this whole process. So I wasn't even really excited. Me uh, too. Uh, and, and then, I mean, you can't keep the, you can't keep the, 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 the big dog in the cage. You yeah. Can't, you can't keep the negative negativity down forever. I started thinking about Aaron Knowles first two seamer against a lefty that breaks and comes right back down the middle of the plate. And they're going back to the dugout. Like what the was that? And then, you know, I started thinking about Bryce Harper. I started thinking a lot about Bryce Harper. And then, <laughs> and then I remember that Joe Girardi is the manager. And then I started remembering about Zach Wheeler throws 100 miles an hour, which Matt Klintak is probably freaking out about. Um, it's too fast. Yeah, too it's fast. way too fast for Klintak. Um, And I was just like, oh, my God, I can't wait. And I feel like that's how everyone was. Like when, when it was all happening and everyone was kind of downtrodden and everyone was annoyed with the baseball and, like, I feel like everyone's reaction when the 60 games was implemented by Rob Manfred, it was the same thing. I was like, oh, cool, glad. But then they started thinking about baseball, and it was like, yeah, okay, it's time to go. Because if they were freaking smart, they would start they would start selling this as a 60-game sprint rather than just, like, uh, the signs that they could not get along. But hopefully they start doing that in the next couple of weeks. But um, it feels like everyone's properly there, and we're excited for baseball. Yeah, no, I think you really summed it up perfectly because that was my reaction too. Was when the the season's in land. First and foremost, we need to wait for this safety and health stuff to get approved and the July first report day to get approved. And you know, Jeff Passan saying it's gonna happen. I, I, everything appears like it's gonna happen, but throughout this whole process, it's just been like one blue balls after another. It just seems like there have been so many times where it's like, all right, this is the time. It's gonna happen today. This is the deal that'll work. They're gonna offer this, and this will work. So I, I think it was like. Partially on money, I was partially like, all right, like I'm I'm happy they figured this out, but what's gonna happen that's gonna screw it up at the last minute? I, yeah, I just couldn't sure. bring myself to believe that it was actually real. And then last night after it's you know officially official, and then you just like you said, Jack, I start thinking about baseball. I stopped thinking about labor negotiations and millionaires and billionaires fighting and baseball, you know, losing the opportunity to come back in this heroic way that we all had hoped and thought they would that that put a sour taste in your mouth and i just kind of threw that all out the window and i was like you know what screw it i i am so excited to have baseball on my tvs like i i can't wait till my two tvs are only baseball mm. and i'm inundated with baseball and i'm watching i'm watching guys play like, like you said i thought about bryce harper i thought about aaron Nola, i thought about Didi gregorius Girardi. Mm. like i just 
I, I know. I, like, I, I got excited. I got so that's where I'm at. I'm I'm full on ready. I now I'm at, like I don't want to wait a month for the season to start, but I get it. I get it. Um, I'm just ready for it to be back. Let Let's talk about some of the specifics of it because, like you said, first and foremost, it's going to be a 60 game sprint to the finish, which is going to be, you know, unique enough as it is, but. The game's also going to look different. I mean, obviously, the no fans in the stands is one thing. With even you know, like an Orioles game in in July, there aren't many people on the stands, but there are at least like people behind home plate when they're pitching and stuff. Like it's going to look weird for sure. But also, like all the safety regulations, like they can't high five, they can't spit the the wet rag of it all and all that. Um, what are your thoughts about? the version of baseball we're going to see this season and how different it could be from what we're used to. Yeah, so let me be completely honest. Uh, this is what we do here. I haven't read any safety negotiation. Absolutely <laughs> none of it. Like, I just I just don't – like, I just want to see baseball. Like, I, I haven't, yeah, I haven't sure. broken down the wet rag. Um, I don't know what pitcher <laughs> – I don't know what pitcher is using a wet rag because it's that makes your hand wet. That's not what we need. You need to yeah, – I know. Honestly, they're going to start – honestly, they're going to start using their forehead. Like, then they'll start getting sweat. Yeah. Like, sweat work. Which, which they're also probably not allowed to do if I had to guess just because you don't want them touching their face. Yeah, or well, they can touch their arm. I don't know. I, sure, a wet rag. armpit sweat. Yeah, little, little jock sweat. They'll be fine. Oh, who doesn't love a good jock sweat? But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm just I, I like I I just I didn't break down the hundred and one hundred page like safety and health protocols. Like they'll figure it out. I mean, that's what the the first the first set of negotiations were all about the health health and safety protocols and. Um, yeah, I, it's gonna be weird. It's me weird about fans in the stands, but like baseball is the one sport where it doesn't really matter. Like the playoffs will be the time where it'll kind of suck. Um, but like we've watched enough Marlins games. I mean, there's For not sure. there's not fans there's, in the stands. Anyway. There's not many. If if anything, there's a, a few hundred. Right, and I, and I've already started uh, um, imagining in my head like a Bryce Harper home run, and it's gonna land in the stands, and no one's gonna be there. And yeah, that'll suck. But like I'm still gonna be excited about a Bryce Harper home run. Like I'm. I'm it's like in other sports, it would kill my buzz. Like for football, it's totally gonna, it's gonna kill my buzz. If the Phillies make the postseason, it would kill my buzz. But like, I just don't care. Like it's they're I'm glad they're playing at their home ballpark. I think that's awesome. Um, and yeah, I think they're gonna figure it out. And I also think in some ways it it could be fun. Like it's different. You know, it's it's. Uh, the like watching the guys do like air high five routines or you know there's going to be parts of it that are unique and and different and fun and well, even I hope, that, I hope they're mic'd up too I for for if there's gonna be no fans there I hope that they're at least miking the players up like they do in spring training like that's got to be that's got to be like number one thing that they can do to help market it and sell the game. Yeah, no, I agree. But again, that that's something where it's it's how vindictive do the players want to be, right? Because that yeah. was something they had offered to do in the deal, and then the deal doesn't get done. So who knows? Hopefully for the good of the game, I agree with you. Hopefully the players are willing to do that type of stuff. But look, I think, it, again, it is, in terms of historically speaking, it's more or less, not I don't want to say a sham, but shamish of oh. a season. Like, you know, we're all going to look back at this World Series, whether it actually has a little asterisk in the history books or not. We're all going to have an asterisk of some form, maybe bigger for some and smaller for others, to some degree in our head on this. But Well, unless, you... unless the Phillies win it. I mean, well, obviously, yeah. then it's 100% legitimate. It may <laughs> yeah. be the greatest championship in the history of baseball. Yeah. Um, but I do think that – I think your point, Jack, and, and I think that – to me, the most compelling, the 60 game sprint to the finish is incredibly compelling, man. 
Yeah, no, it is. And and that's what I'm saying. Like, if they, they need to start marketing is like every, every game is going to matter, you know, because yes. the thing that the, the thing that is most frustrating about this from a baseball fan perspective is that like they're only getting back six days before the other leagues start up rather than the full month. So they need to figure out a way to steal eyeballs from from baseball or from basketball and well hockey to an extent. But like they need to figure but out basketball a way. playoffs too is the point. It's not just basketball; it's the playoffs, right? And 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 NHL playoffs. So yep. um, if they if they start marketing as like, listen, this is a sixty game sprint. Every game's gonna matter. Your team is one hundred percent in it. Like you you have a chance to make the playoffs. Now, if they were smart. They would have expanded the playoffs, and it would really be every team's in it. Now, I hate the expanded playoffs, but I would have been fine for it for this one year. I actually, I, I'm, I don't, I like them more than you. I, I would have wanted twelve instead of ten. I don't. Sixteen is, you know, Mickey Mouse. It's more than half the league. Yeah. But for this season, I would actually go so far as to say I think it's actually a good thing for this season, because it'll just help kind of prevent some of that variance that we're gonna see. I mean, like, there is going to be a team that literally no one thought had any chance to make the playoffs back in March that's going to make the playoffs like and there's going to be a team that's one of the best teams in the league roster wise that's going to miss out and an expanded playoffs could help level some of that a little bit I think yeah exactly so that's that's kind of where where I was coming from from that standpoint but um yeah I is a 60 game sprint's gonna be a lot of fun um and hopefully kind of get some juice going back and hopefully like I hope that people aren't so turned off from the labor negotiations that they're not in. And I think I think once they're actually physically on TV and it's it's a, a, exactly a month from now and Aaron Nola is making his first start, I think I think people will kind of forget about it. Um but that's that's what that, that's the risk that they ran by by this last 3 month charade was that people aren't going to care and there's so many freaking Twitter polls about like do you actually care if baseball comes back? And I would just like to say that I think everyone is freaking lying. I think I think they're all lying. I think they're all lying. It's so yeah. Well, it's certainly to the point where even if they feel that now, like you said, in a month they're going to be watching. Oh my god! It's like yeah, of course you're going to watch. It's it, it drives me crazy. I mean, we talk about it a lot, but the whole you know baseball's dying and and all this stuff. It's like if, if baseball's so dead, then why is everyone so upset that they're not back on the field? Like, <laughs> point. Why have we spent the last three months talking about labor negotiations if no one cares? Please tell right, me. And everyone's so sad. Like. For as much as for as much as I think the NBA is more popular than than baseball, I think the general sports fan that loves all our four teams, I think they are missing their baseball team. I like I've kind of like, you know what's crazy is today's the one year anniversary of the curveball machine, and I swore yeah, to I swore I to, I swear to God that was in like August. You know, yeah, it was in totally. June we broke out the curveball machine. That's how bad this is going. Like. We're three months into the season. I thought that it's crazy. It's a great point, Jack. I it felt like it was way later in the season. I'm so with you on this. Yeah, like I thought it was. I thought it was way later in the season. Like we're almost approaching uh, uh, Sean Rodriguez ripping the fans. Like there's so much to to uncover of the 2019 Phillies. But um, yeah, it's just like I I think everyone's lying with the baseballs dying and well, obviously it's not as big as 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 it once was. But like. Regionally, baseball still matters, and I think people really miss their baseball teams because it was just, it was summer. Like you think of summer, you think of baseball. All the great summer movies are related to baseball. You have something to do every night at seven o'clock. You get to watch your guys, and I'm just so excited to have that back. It's sixty games. I don't care. It's one year. I can suck it up. I can't wait. I don't know what else to say, but I'm excited. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point, too. I think that, like, at this time of year, you know, the NBA Finals are just finishing up, if not already done. The NHL Finals are done. Um, This is baseball. You know, this is the time of year when it's end of June, beginning of July. Like, it's baseball's time. You know, that is when baseball owns the sports calendar. There's nothing else. And it does amplify the not having that sport in this moment way more. I mean, I go outside and it's beautiful out and I'm like, oh, there should be a baseball game tonight. Yeah. <laughs> like the Phillies, the Phillies should be playing tonight. Like that, that's weird to me. Well, how so, about Father's Day? Like Father's Day, Father's Day totally, is like baseball. Totally, that's what you think totally. about. You think about you baseball. You think about Jim Bunning and you think, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. it was, that was the toughest one for me, honestly. The toughest one for me was like, Man, they should be playing on Father's Day. Like, there's just that's something that's something that should just be happening. And uh, whatever, it's bad. Yeah, and look, July Fourth is going to be another tough one. Um, that you know, July Fourth weekend is such a you know we always think of baseball. It's it's kind of when baseball takes over as the the only sport going. And um, the All Star Game, we'd have the All Star Game. We would be approaching the All Star Game in a in a few weeks, Jack. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm so with you. And I and I do think it is a bummer as you kind of alluded to before that baseball really did have an opportunity to, to kind of to the whole. And I agree with you. I think the baseball dying thing is, is so silly and so overblown. And it's just, look, I get it that maybe from an, like you said, a national perspective, maybe it is, it is waned, but locally it is as strong as ever. I mean, again, there's a reason that obviously prior to this, you know, poor MLB owners, disastrous, you know, thing for them now like not for everybody else but for them but prior to this year i mean they made they record profits like 17 years in a row or whatever i mean this is this is not a sport that is floundering it's not a sport that is dying but it is a bummer that from that national perspective that if they could have just you know i don't know not hated each other and actually figured something out where they could have come back sooner and really, like you said, not have to compete with the nba playoffs not have to compete with the nhl playoffs and have you know two three weeks to themselves as the first sport back on the national stage, it's definitely a bummer that they missed that opportunity. But I still, I, I again, I'm like you. I, I'm, I'm. Whenever I start to get annoyed at what happened, I just think, you know what? I got baseball. Yeah. I don't care. I got baseball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you'd even take an Andrew Knapp, uh, AB right now. Like you, would, would. you you'd like. I to think s- about that. I would. You I like- would watch Andrew Knapp bat and not be upset about it. You'd like to see him work a good count. Um, oh, now can man. we can we please get into the Mickey Mouse rules that they that they are putting in yeah, place? Yeah. Well, I so I am. Let's start with the Mickeyest Mickey Mickey Mouse, like the Minnie Mouse rule, whatever you want to call it. The I mean, DH, the runner on second I, I base agree. to start. The, DH. The, the runner on second base to start the tenth inning is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I hate it. I oh. I, I I I it is it is. A sham of a rule. <laughs> it's against every single like baseball fiber in my body. I couldn't, could not hate it more. Like I understand why they're doing it because they want people not to have to be at the ballpark longer than they have to. But the thing that just pisses me off is that it's <clears throat> it's another win for the people who don't like baseball. You know, yep. it's all about the whole like, well, you know, I gotta go to bed. And I got to do this. I got to get up early. I can't stay for 15 innings and don't watch. And I know that sounds stupid because I know that, you know, the sport needs eyeballs on it. But I just I hate changing the fabric of the sport for people who don't care about it. It's it's just it drives me crazy. I know it's for only a year. I know they're doing it for health reasons. But like we got to go this far to where we're putting a runner on second base in the 10th inning. Like it's just. It's so it's such a joke. It's so Minnie Mouse. I just 
Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, same thing. Like I just, I just hate it. I just yeah. hate it. I hate it. I'm, I'm Jack. You know, normally, normally I'm the one being like, no, Jack, we gotta innovate. We gotta no. think about the future. No innovation. I no innovation be, at all. Couldn't be more on your side than this. I think it is just a an asinine. And I, again, I get why they're doing it. I just think it's stupid. I, I think it's just a stupid way to do it. I, I, again, it's not baseball. Like you don't start an inning off with a runner on base. Like. It's not baseball. That's not baseball. I'm sorry. Listen, I can't wait. Baseball. I can't wait for them to to just implement it next year, and it becomes yeah, like I a know. a rule until the postseason. And it's just gonna I be, know. how great is it? We had 13 percent shorter games because there were less extra innings or something. Hey, hey, you know what would shorten games if there's more? Or you know, like you wouldn't notice a game taking as long if there wasn't just three outcomes. Like you just you wouldn't notice it. You yeah, wouldn't notice how long the games are taking if there was more. If there was more game action like if there's more balls in play all that stuff and i understand i understand the launch angle i understand the the that the home run's worth more but like a triple's more exciting than a home run they need more balls in play they need to get away from the three outcomes um you know so so like all of their like all of their problems are trying to fix artificially rather than actually improving and and changing the the game play or affecting the game play and and starting a runner on second base in in extra innings is just it's so so stupid but you know whatever i i guess listen if it, if it's if it if the alternative is no baseball i'll take a runner on second base and i guess yes. i guess yes. i'll have to deal with the the dh in the in the nl this year yeah you're going to have to deal with it this year jack um, yeah yeah. Well, we, we don't need to rehash the DH debate. We both know strongly where we stand. Thank God it's coming to the National League this year. Only a year. Only a year. Then then yeah. I go back to. Then it'll be. Yeah, it'll be there for a year, then gone for a year, then back forever. So. Love it. Love it. No, <laughs> it's not. It's never coming back. I can't wait till they take it out of baseball. That would be that would be the Jack Fritz plan. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to watch pitchers bat 114 it's not, again. It's not about pitchers Sweet. hitting. Sweet. It's never about pitchers Sweet. hitting. Sweet. Nope. Fun, what a fun use of my time. No, it's just it's just a real shame that you're on a baseball podcast and you hate baseball. <laughs> this is great. I love it. I love the it, it is funny. I think the DH argument, maybe of any argument in baseball, among all arguments in sports, is the most consistent 50% on one side, 50% on the other, and everyone thinks the other side is crazy. It's a great argument. I like to think that I revived the the DH. Uh, oh, you do? The, the DH take in this town. You know, I feel like everyone was starting to just accept that the DH is coming, and I like I like to think that I was the one that, that held it up. Keep thinking it, buddy. I think, you know, sure. <laughs> Can you reach your back that far to pat yourself on it? I, I can't. can't. I, can't tell. I honestly can't. It's impossible. It's impossible. Yes. Um, all right. You got any other thoughts on uh, the comeback? Obviously, we're gonna well, we are have... going to in in coming up pods. We're going to talk about the schedule. We're going to talk about how break time with the Phillies. Like we're we're going to get into the nitty gritty of all of it. Obviously, yeah. But hold but... on. I have a lot more thoughts, but we got to do something else first. Yeah. Well, you know, if in case for those who know, the Phillies actually signing first round pick Mick Abel today. Um, and we thought it'd be fun to talk to someone about it. And joining us right now, it is our distinct pleasure uh, to have this man on. Uh, the man who helped build Mick Abel into what he is. First round pick, of course, with the Phillies signed today from Jesuit High in Oregon. 
Mick Abel's high school coach, Mr. Colin Griffin. Colin, thank you so much for taking some time. Yeah, I'm excited to be on the show with you guys. I've been listening to your podcast the last couple of episodes, so I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to uh, talk to you guys. Well, wow, that's, that's far too kind. Yeah, I don't know why you took a, the time to listen to this podcast. And I'm, but... I'm very sorry for the, the Keith Law episode where he said the Phillies weren't going to take a high school pitcher, <laughs> and, then, and then they took a high school pitcher. So, um, yeah, no, that, thanks so much, Coach, for joining us. We're excited to talk to you about uh, about Mick. Yeah, we, we are excited. excited. Uh, why don't we start off, like, like just because uh, we – We've obviously seen some of the highlights, and we'll get into to Mick Abel the pitcher. But you know, the one thing we we have no idea of is is Mick Abel the person. You know, what kind of kid are the Phillies getting in Mick Abel? Well, he's not a kid, uh, and we've said that since he walked into the hallways uh, his freshman year. He's just always carried himself and just more mature than what his age uh, represents. Uh, he's never. Man, he, he's never acted like a kid with us. We've always, you know, on the field or off the field, he's been in my uh, power training uh, classes for PE. And it's just like talking to a, a college-age kid. Uh, so that's that's number one. You don't have to worry about a kid. He doesn't have the maturity to take on this responsibility. He's, he's as good as it gets when it comes to that for his age. Um, High-character kid. He was never – I mean, you, 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 you would never know – what type of um, attention Mick got unless you got on social media and typed in Mick's name because he would never brag. He would never share it with you. Uh, he just acted like a high school baseball player um, until you started asking stories. And then he would kind of tell you some really cool stories and people he met and talked to. And that was when you kind of got to know uh, what he was going through. But uh, he was a great teammate, uh, just just always encouraging his, his teammates. Uh, he, he, he was never challenging us as coaches to uh, bend the rules because he's the superstar. He was felt he was just uh, the rules of the rules, the guidelines of the guidelines, and his job as a, a leader was to uh, get the most out of the program. So uh, as far as the, the character of Mick Abel, I mean, it's tops. It's A-plus. Yeah, it sounds like it. That is that is something a lot of Phillies fans are going to be happy to hear. All right, so, let, so we now we're hearing about Mick, that the person. Uh, tell us about Mick the player, and obviously we'll dive into some specifics. But but on a macro scale, you know, what is Mick Abel, the pitcher, bringing to Philadelphia? Oh, uh, Mick Abel, right now, compared to what you're going to see when he actually gets to get on the field, is going to be even different. I mean, he is he hasn't come close to the ceiling. Uh, and just listen podcast about. What your excitement was for Mick is he's electric and there's so much more. And, you know, one, I'm so frustrated we didn't get a senior season with Mick and his classmates. Uh, for Mick was we didn't get a representative changeup. And that was a pitch that his junior year, we couldn't really throw it that much. It's uh, teams, you know, I don't know if you know the company Jug Sports. It's in Twalton, Oregon. I'm not trying to plug that. I'm just saying that they've done a great job of getting this BP3 machine into everybody's uh, hitting facilities. So every time we we would face teams, they would just pump up that BP3 machine to about 90 miles per hour and just sit on mixed fastball. And so his changeup wasn't dialed into the point where we could just play fastball changeup catch. We relied on that slider a lot. Uh, and this year, already in our inner squads, we were just throwing the change up more and more and more, and it was filthy. I mean, I truly believe we could have gone first three times through the batting order and just play fastball change-up catch 
because same release point uh, for his fastball, his two seam, his four seam, his slider, but also that changeup, all that same tunneling vision for the hitter, and it's just lethal. Uh, and so for him to be at where he is right now, he's he's got tons of more growth to to this, to establish that changeup, uh, so he doesn't have to depend on that uh, wipeout slider. Um, so he's got so much more room to grow. I think you guys, the Phillies, should be excited because they definitely got to steal and, and make Abel from the draft be number 15. Well, I mean, my jaw's almost on the floor when you start talking about his changeup. I mean, I mean that's that's all I was crying for. Because, like, when you look at his mechanics, it's like, oh, he's a perfect. It's perfect to come out with a, a tumbling changeup to couple with his couple of his two seam fastball. Was it? Was it? Uh, I, I know you can't give it all away, but was it like a? What kind of grip did he have it on? Was it a was it a four seam grip? Was it a two seam grip? Was he splitting it? Do you know what he was doing with the, with the changeup? That would be a question you'd have to talk to uh, Jeff Jensen, my pitching coach, and then Kevin Gunderson, his uh, private pitching coach. I, as a coach, like I said, you guys were about—you guys gave me too much credit that I molded Mick. I just made sure to put him in the lineup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was my job, right? Don't lead him out of the lineup. In fact, I even uh, created positions for him to get his bat in the lineup because he could hit. But going on your changeup, I'm not too sure how he was holding it. I know he was playing around with the grip because the changeup is such a field pitch. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Kurt Schilling not being able to throw the changeup, so he turned it into that splitter. Uh, I'm not sure how Mick ended up holding it, but I do know that that changeup was filthy when we were in a squad this year. Um, and it was about 10 to 12 mile difference out of that same release point. Same arm action. Ah, oh, well, listen. You're not exactly going to calm down this hype train. I mean, we, we might be all, more all in at this point. So the changeup is there, obviously. If, if he develops that pitch, I think it's it's unbelievable. And you, the way you're talking about it, like, it seems like it is. Now, can you tell us a little bit about the slider? I mean, because the way he talks about it, he said he can kind of throw two different ones, and he feels like he can throw a slider in any count for a strike. Is that kind of the same thing you saw when you were coaching him? Yeah. In fact, we, we started to fall in love with it too much. And, you know, I did challenge my pitching coach and say, hey, I know we're getting these. Our goal with Mick was we didn't want to – I told him when he was a freshman, I, go, I know what I have in my bag with you. I'm not going to abuse you. You have a future way beyond Jesuit High School. Uh, we're definitely going to keep a pitch count on you. Uh, so when I tried – when I pulled him out of a no-hitter his sophomore year, he was definitely – or freshman year, he was mad at me. But I was explaining to him. We got, we're, we're making sure we take care of that arm of yours. Uh, so his junior year, we're trying to be efficient, be out in three pitches, you know, get guys to roll over. Because kids were going in the box just aggressive, trying to get after that fastball early on the count. So, again, we started going to his two-seam fastball or his slider, uh, which was just filthy. And, you know, people are so worried about the slider is going to create Tommy John and that the more and more research to discover, it's not really the slider that's causing it. But I was super sensitive over it. Let's, let's see if we can just get him out on fastballs and change-ups and play with that. But that slider, it just, like I said, it comes out of that, that same release point as his fastball that people are geared up on. And then the last 10 feet, it just dives and breaks. Um, and, you know, for Adley Rutschman to even mention that his slider is one of the best he's ever caught is, I mean, that's me a lot because Adley's played the game and been around some high-profile players. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Adley Rushman like, was a generational catching prospect. He's talking about how special high school pitchers' pitches were. Like, that's, that's insane. Now, now, the one thing that I've really liked about and what I've read about Mick is his use of analytics. Like, 
how has he used the analytics? Has he used them to kind of help develop the pitches even further using the rap Soto and stuff like that? Like how has he kind of used that? Yeah. And that, that was, uh, that was, I can't remember which interview I did with the Philadelphia press, but they were asking me about what else are we getting out of Mick and the generation of kids coming out of high school and college now are all having the access to Rhapsodo or hit tracks or whatever it might be that, that displays all this analytics for the kids. And, you know, in my perspective, 99% of the high schooler kids don't really understand it, especially if you look at hitters and all they want to talk about is launch angle um, pitchers. It's the same thing. There's so many different variables that, that affect a pitch. Uh, and so for Mick Abel, he, a, he's already a super intelligent kid, high academics. Uh, for him to already be basically a 300-level college student in, in understanding what spin rate and finger placement and all that can do to his fastball and, and moving on his pitches, uh, he's already ahead of the game. So I've, he's actually educated me, and same with his pitching coach, Gunderson, on uh, what they've learned with Rap Soto and how we could use that in our, uh, our, our approach when we're going after hitters. I mean, our goal this year was we're just going to throw fastballs two inches above the belly button because uh, his, his spin rate was so fast that it gave that perception that it was going to come down and kids were just going to swing underneath it all day. Uh, so, okay, so, Colin, obviously a lot of this is awesome stuff and, and getting everyone hyped up Mick Abel, but you did say before that he's not even as good as he could be or will be someday. What do you think is the number one thing Mick needs to work on right now? Well, he's going to keep putting on muscle. Uh, you know, he's, if you looked at Mick and you saw the pictures, maybe I said, I don't think he even owns a Gillette shaving uh, razor. I, I mean, the kid still hasn't totally matured yet. There's still height left in him. Uh, and there's still uh, muscle that he needs to put on, especially to continue to maintain the, the amount of uh, force that he's putting into his body. Uh, so that would be what Mick's going to have to work on the most is, you know, being able to continue staying with his routine, his workout, uh, and also adjust as his body adjusts. Now, just real, real quick mechanically-wise, like uh, a couple people, and I kind of noticed it a little bit, do you think there's concern with him? Do you think he cuts himself off at all when he when he when he's finishing his pitches? Like, is there any concern there, or is he or is he been working on being more linear to the plate in his kind of in his bullpens leading up to the draft? I've never uh, had that conversation with him. I, I know what you're talking about, uh, but nor have I thought that that is affecting uh, his arm. Uh, I've I know that guys who open up more are more vulnerable to put that elbow at risk uh, compared to closing themselves off. Right. Uh, but the biggest thing that we had to work on with Mick from his freshman year to his junior year, because we didn't totally get him off senior year, was he was, he was kind of rushing himself to the plate. He wasn't really getting that balance point before he was coming forward. And then once uh, that was kind of dialed in with him, his accuracy level definitely uh, went up big time. I think he had two immaculate innings for us last year, <laughs> one in the state championship game and one wow. in uh, some other games. So he's, I, I, I don't see that cutting him off as something that affects Mick. But again, I'm a high school baseball coach compared to the Philadelphia Phillies. So they'll have a better idea than me. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was just curious if it was something that had been talked about, but uh, interesting. Now, one quick thing. When did you kind of realize that, that Mick was special? Was he kind of coming up throughout this kind of career in middle school and then you knew you were getting him or, or what was that kind of like? 
Yeah, that's uh, another fun story. You know, I'm, we're a private high school, and so, uh, and we're not a large high school, and so it, it's you know you're fortunate if you get accepted into Jesuit, uh, and we're fortunate to get kids to to come to Jesuit. So I get emails and phone calls and texts all the time for starting now up until August from coaches, private instructors, parents who know me saying. Oh, uh, you got this great kid who's coming in. He's going to be so good. He's a superstar. He's a Division One baseball player, and it turns out like he's bad, or I have to cut him because he's just. I mean, the the daddy goggles were were so obvious. Uh, <laughs> it, I get that. I it, get that. Yeah. Right. So, and and you know, my answer is always, you know what? Well, my I'm sorry. My first reaction is always he might be this superstar in eighth grade because I don't know who they are. I don't go out and recruit eighth grade baseball players. Uh, so my first concern is okay. This kid's probably got armpit hair. He's been shaving since sixth grade. Of course he's blowing everybody away. But wait till his sophomore year when everything balances out. So when I started getting those emails about this kid named Mick Abel, I was like, yeah, okay. Well, let's see how good he is. If he was that good. I mean, if he was that good, Pat Casey at Oregon State would have already called me and said, hey, this kid's coming in, let's talk. Because Pat Casey's uh, a guy that I knew pretty well. So when I hadn't gotten that phone call, definitely my guard was up. And then Mick Cable shows up to our summer baseball camp. And this is what makes Mick special. And you guys use that word a lot about him, about his uh, athleticism. But the kid who's the best is not rarely the kid who outworks everyone. And that's what makes you a superstar athlete, whether high school makes you a superstar collegiate athlete or you're blessed to be at that level you are that, that Mick is at. And it's the kid who has the talent and the character and the work ethic that takes you to the top. And so when I was getting these texts, I, I mean, Mick was a kid that I just eyeballed right away. It's like, all right, how prime time is this kid that the whole world tells him how great he is? Never would have known that that was Mick. He was always the first kid to a huddle, which is an indicator for me is how much does he want it. Uh, he always hustled to the next station. Yes, coach, looks you in the eyes. So when I got that from Mick, plus I saw what he could do on the field, watching him play long toss, his glove, he came in. I, was, I called Oregon State and said, if this kid was throwing 78 miles per hour, you'd be recruiting him at the first baseman, and he'd be getting drafted his wow. junior year in college at the first baseman. Get out of here. Drops. Wow. He drops bombs. So I actually texted Mick today. I go, please tell me the Phillies let you take DT on the field. <laughs> and he, he just <laughs> and said no. <laughs> um, but so I saw this kid as an eighth grader looking like that. Plus, he looked like a baby. He was not what I described. He was long, l- lean, but didn't look developed yet. And so he had all these, all these red flags that I had my guard up about Mick. It took me about... 30 seconds to see, okay, this kid is, he's different. He's special. And he never disappointed. That is just awesome. Uh, Colin again, coach Colin Griffin, Jesuit high school. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I I know certainly all our listeners, you've, you've made some, some big time Mick Abel fans today. Uh, I think we're all really excited about it. Thanks, man. Well, I'll, can I say this really quick? I um, I live in a, a small pocket in Portland, and there are a lot of Phillies fans within a par five of me because I can't believe the amount of people walk by who have now like given me suggestions about Philadelphia. Even That's awesome. uh, I was talking, walking my daughter to the library, and there's a big Phillies banner, 
uh, right so in front. Cool. I was like, man, there are Phillies fans everywhere. This is great. Even my uh, my son's best friend's dad is from Philly, who's I can see his house from my back deck right now, and he is so jacked. I mean, that is Portland so has now cool. Now become Philly Philly nation. Ah, oh, love to hear that. Love to hear that. <laughs> so cool. That is so cool. Well, uh, we'll stay in touch as uh, as Mick moves along, and uh, and you know keep. Uh, Keep growing that Phillies, uh, Phillies nation out there in Oregon. That's awesome. Yeah, keep building our farm system. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys having me. Love to be on again if you have time. All right. Thanks a lot, Coach. Awesome, awesome stuff from Colin Griffin. Uh, Jack, uh, I think uh, I think people are going to be in on Mick Abel. Uh, you think? I, mean, I think so. Did you hear him talking about the changeup? <laughs> Oh my God! Did you, like I was trying not to like jump up and down when he was talking about the changeup. I mean, it, 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 that's all I want. That's all I want is a is a, is a well developed changeup to go with power stuff, James. I, I think know. we found our ace. I really do. Like I uh, love Mc- Aranola. I love Spencer Howard. But guess what, baby? It's Mick Abel season, and I just can't wait. I I could not. I thought I was all in after the draft and the podcast after the draft. I'm more all in now. It's a, it's a beautiful. I can hear it, Jack. I can hear it. This I mean, is uh, we we oh, hold up, hold up. We're talking about baseball being back after like three months of of animosity and acrimony, and and baseball's finally back. And you're more excited now about McCable than you were at the beginning of the pod. Did you hear the talk about the changeup? I mean, <laughs> you said it was nasty. I thought I, yeah. I hope he can. De- I, I was just asking for a development of the changeup. He, he threw out the word nasty. I mean, I mean, I was asking if he, I, I want to know if it was a little two seam changeup. I think that makes sense given his arm angle and given where he uh, he throws his two seam fastball. That's great. I'm all in. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> Baseball's back, baby. And so is this Mick Abel hype train. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you to Coach Colin Griffin uh, for having on. All right, let's get back and shout out to Mick Abel, the newest Philly, officially a Philly, signs his contract. Very excited to see him get to work and uh, and see what happens. Let's get back to baseball because uh, still a lot to get into. And like I said, we're going to – we can actually, Jack, do shows where, like, you and I can talk about what the Phillies lineup is going to look oh. like and and the impact of Joe Girardi. And, like, we can actually talk baseball now. It's not all this other crap. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Oh, um, I mean, so, we, we don't deal with stupid labor discussions anymore. Uh, such a beautiful thing and it's real like we can talk about real baseball coming back so let's get back to um kind of what we're talking about before we brought coach griffin on um where else are you at with the what are some other of your other takeaways from 60 game season how it's gonna look all that well i got i got a couple things so i'm sure you do brother so uh the transaction freeze is lifted on friday and i'm gonna need j3 Muto uh re-signed to a five-year contract by monday like that's 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 the ultimatum I'm putting out there. I need I need it done uh, by Monday. Look, I I I love the idea. Do you, like there's no, no I, no way. I don't think he's gonna yeah. sign. No, I yeah, yeah. I don't, okay. I don't. But okay. but okay. if he was if he was smart, like so I put out the other day on Twitter, like uh you know I I would offer five eighty five right off the bat, and people are like, well why do you take that? Like it's not that much money. It's like well the alternative is a one year. I don't know if he's gonna get that. Man. Right, like, right. Like yeah, I I'm of the belief that this free agent market and maybe even the next one too and who knows for how long but i think they're getting screwed yeah like i think they're getting screwed none of these guys are making what they thought they were like I, if i'm jt ramito and i get five for 85 i'm taking it and running i don't i like i would take it and run if i were him. i i honestly think 
I think it's going to end up being something more like a three for 50 type of contract or something with shorter years, less overall money. Like I think that the, the free agents this year, the JT Romitos, the Mookie Betts is whatever the people who've gotten screwed by this whole situation, the worst. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's really unfortunate. Like just awful timing. And imagine, imagine if you just signed it back in, you know, January or, or February and took a contract extension then. So yeah, I would be surprised if if JT got a hundred million. Like, hundred million feels like the. I would be floored. Right. If, I would be absolutely stunned. Well, and, and if his if his agent takes a one year deal, like he should be fired. I mean, yeah, taking a a, yeah, taking a, taking a one year deal as a thirty year old catcher is just a disaster. So if the Phillies put five eighty five on the table, I think he takes it and and runs. I'm not sure they will. Um, I'm not sure how any of this is gonna work. Like this is. Like usually, there's there's precedent for all this stuff, James. Like we usually have a general idea. We can look back in history for other contracts, but like there's just no precedent here. I've None. I have no idea what it's gonna look like. Yeah, well, especially when we're talking about vindictive owners who are mad at the players to begin with right now, and who are crying poor because they're not gonna have people in the stadiums this year, and like they are going to take it out on this free agent class. They just are like, they just are. And I'm not saying it's collusion or whatever. We just know that they are mutually going to agree that no one's giving the people the contracts they want to get. Like, it's not going to happen. No, no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And, uh, it's going to be annoying. I'll I'll give you, I'll give you another interesting one. Do you think that, that guys like Yasiel Puig get signed? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. But it's going to be for like $4 million, maybe. Yeah, if that. Yeah, I think it's going to be super cheap. But it'll, that's an interesting, like, do the Phillies add to the roster? Like, that guy, I think there's still a couple. Puig's really the big name out there. But, um, yeah, there's still a couple guys who kind of got caught by the end of the thing, and, and there are players out there. Wait, remember the luxury tax threshold? I mean. Oh, <laughs> remember that. Remember when that was the, the biggest worry. What is that going to mean? Now, now I, I guess, the so I saw it really quickly on Twitter today. But um, another thing I want to get into real quick is, like, so I, I guess it's you keep players down for seven days into the season, and that's how you affect uh, service time manipulation. Is that what it is? I hadn't seen it yet. I was yeah. So what... so what I saw was some tweet about um, Nate Pearson. How I think it's seven days. All you gotta do to keep a guy down is is for seven days. That's stupid. Yeah, it's 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 so dumb. It's so so dumb. Um, but like, there's gonna be some serious service time manipulation. What are the Phillies gonna do? I mean, I well, think, I, think I, I mean they're going to keep Bomb and Howard down for seven games. I think there's, there's no way that Spencer Howard and Alec Bloom are going to be on the opening day roster. Zero percent. If that's if that's the way it works, and again, I don't know for sure, but if that's the way it works, there is a zero percent chance they will be on the the opening day roster, which is a shame because we're talking about sixty games here. Like the whole every game matters. Like, are you real? If you're really going to take that seriously, then those two guys should both be on the opening day roster. They just should. Right. Right. Especially because it it's a sprint. Matt Klintock's job is theoretically on, on the line, except uh, Matt Gelb kind of put a damper on that today that um, I guess the Phillies just aren't like they're, they're not taking this season as a as a evaluation of Matt Klintock and his job. And that's fine. I get it. <laughs> like, I, I, I get it. But I'm already. Yeah, I mean, I you should have fired him already. But sure. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, but if you if you're saying to your fans that it's time to win now in your press conference when you hire Joe Girardi and you don't have Alec Bowman and Spencer Howard on your roster, that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing, especially for for a sixty day or a sixty game sk- schedule. So, um, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I I don't know what I want the Phillies to do. I know that sounds bad, but it's only seven days. 
Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm fine with it. Like, I I I wish baseball didn't have this rule. Like, oh, that's dude. really what I wish. It's I gotta, wish it were not. It's got to be the dumbest rule in sports. Like, it's it's the absolute dumbest. And if if there is anything that has changed in the new CBA, I feel like that is top on the list of just one of the dumbest things that shouldn't exist. But, you know, being that the rule exists, like, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, you know, as much as I want them to win every game, like I think the smart organ, I don't think this Phillies team is winning the world series this year. Anyway, I think the smart organizational decision is to make sure you see that your service time. Like, I think it's actually malpractice not to. I know. I know. Yeah, it's it, a bummer. It's, it's, it's a bummer. Jack. It's awful. It is. It's awful. Um, because you do the whole thing every year where you're like, this team's going to be a contending team. It could come down to a game or two in September. You're really going to keep those guys down till May. Now it's like so much more impactful because it's 60 games. Right. So it's like every game really, truly matters. So it's, it's harder to do that. But again, I think they have to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, the, 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 they didn't exactly get a break with the schedule. I mean, it's 40 games against the NL East and then uh, 20 against the AL East. Which obviously yeah. the Orioles are mixed in there, but I can just tell the Blue Jays are going to kill us. Like I don't know how, but they're they're definitely going to kill us. They're that they're a lot of young talent that'll get hot against the Phillies for some uh, reason, dude. I, I I can't wait for the first backbreaking loss. I just I experience. I feel like every loss the Phillies had in the last two years under Gabe Kapler was uh was backbreaking. I'm excited for that to come back. Or excited for that to come oh, back. Oh great, and that'll be fun, right? The other thing I've been thinking a lot about is like you know. You know, baseball. I feel like with baseball more than almost any other sport, like you kind of see the collapse coming. I can't wait to see that for the first time. You know, oh, God. I can't wait to be broken. I honestly can't. It's it's gonna feel. You're just all in. You're down to get broken. It feels like it feels like we'll be back. <laughs> the Phillies 2020 break me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm ready. Huh. Listen, after that Mick Abel, yeah. <laughs> after that interview with, with Mick Abel's high school coach, you can tell me whatever you want. I am yeah. all in. You're good. Um, I do think, though, mentioning Girardi, I do think that I feel like having a good manager, and again, I know that people are back and forth on how much a manager really matters in baseball and all that type of stuff, but I do think that having a good, strong manager this year in this weird, so many balls in the air, so many potential for injuries and switching guys in and out, all this type of stuff, I think having a good manager matters more this year than other years, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, I can see that. And it w- the thing that kind of sucks is that, um, like I thought his culture was going to kind of separate yeah. itself throughout the season. And now they're harder kinda... to do that this year. Exactly. Exactly. Cause the clubhouse isn't going to be the same. It's just not the same. And like the, the plane rides, I don't know what they're going to be like. I don't know how they're going to bond on the road. Like, I don't know what's, well, I guess they're, yeah, I, I, it's going to be a weird disjointed kind of season. So, um, but I think, his actual in-game managing could definitely help. But I think the thing I was most excited about was what he's going to bring to a locker room. And uh, unfortunately, probably won't have that this year. Yeah, I agree. And and that is a bummer. Um, I will say, thank God we're not wasting all of the age 27 Bryce Harper season. That, that could have been in my watch is getting mad about it too. Um, Like the prospect of, of, uh, and again, I'm, I'm sad that, it's this year that is Bryce Harper's age twenty seven season, but yeah, at least line. we get some. At least we get something out of it. Sure, sure. At least we'll. At least we'll yeah, get gonna, it. It'll be. It'll be. You know, I, I think that it'll be fun that we can say that Bryce Harper is one of only two people to win MVP in a sixty game season. I mean, that'll be fun to be able to say. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So yeah. you know, you take- I, I mean, he is. I guess. So I looked up all his numbers and his career, pretty much back to twenty fifteen, and uh, 
The one thing that's consistent, the average kind of fluctuates, but the one thing that's consistent is that he hits a lot of homers early. Um, so, like, I think we should expect 15, at least 15 home runs from Bryce this season, which <laughs> if you told me about that before the season, it'd be a disaster. But, um, yeah, I think we can expect 15 home runs from Bryce this season, and it's going to be a monster 15 home runs. <laughs> it's so weird to say that, isn't it? Well, the Phillies like, over under was thirty one and a half. I know. I saw it was so weird. It was just weird how close they all are too. It's like the best in baseball or the best in the National League was thirty seven and a half. Yeah. It's like that's like really close. It also just underscores how like how much variance there is in this season and, and like we talked about before, how like getting off to a hot thirty game start could and then just playing five hundred baseball gig in the playoffs or or you know, something like that. Um there's going to be a weird team in the playoffs. There's going to be a really good team that we expect to be in the playoffs out of it. Like, that's going to happen. It's going to happen this year. And um, it is going to be weird. I mean, like, look, I mean, someone go about 400. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that's on the table. That doesn't count. I mean. I agree. I agree. None of it counts. It's all a sham, historically speaking, I actually, as far as I'm concerned. Unless the Phillies win the World Series. Exactly. And Bryce Harper wins the MVP. Um, yeah, and yeah that'll, and, that'll hold. And Pavetta wins the Cy Young. Um, I actually, yeah, I actually had written down, uh, for a possible show next week of like, if someone hits 400, does it count? Yeah, uh, it's a great, it's a great, it doesn't. No. Clearly. No, it's asinine. No, but I feel like your host could make it that it, that it would count. Can't you? Yeah. Can't My you, host will say anything. Can't you just see the camera being like, it counts? It's 400. Yeah. I can well, I, already I, see I already, it. He already, I already said that, that this season's going to have an asterisk on it. And he's like, no, it won't. And I'm like, what do you mean it won't? Like, of course it does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, of course, yeah. it's a sixty-game baseball season. Like, I don't care what happens. Like, it'll have an asterisk. It's okay. Like, it doesn't mean it's not an accomplishment to win it, but it's it is an asterisk. It is very different from baseball. Yeah. You know, one hundred percent. So, yeah. um, I got I got two I got two final takes for you. you. Ready? Lay them on me. Lay them on me. All right. Now the first one's gonna hurt, but it's the truth. Um, oh God, I'm already terrified. The Phillies should tank, and like I, I I'm already. Looking at next year's wow, it's, what a take! It's six, what a take! It's sixty games. the The year doesn't ha- doesn't count anyway. I'm not saying tank like tank tank, but I could use a top ten pick. Like the, <laughs> oh, Zach Veen was a ninth pick in this draft, and he's a superstar in the making. Like all I'm saying is I, I, I would welcome a playoffs. I, I would take it. What do, what do they even need a top 10 pick? They got the best player in the draft at 15 this time, Jack. I know, I know. But that took a lot to get there. I mean, it took I mean, 15 was a little bit of a risk, you know? So, listen. Look, I will say, there, there. I think you will see certain teams this year play young guys. I think you will see certain teams decide relatively quickly to develop players and whatnot. Um, I do think there will be teams that will take that approach where they'll say, hey, you know what? this is a weird thing and we don't want to get anyone hurt. We don't want to worry anything long-term. We're just going to kind of develop guys and look towards the future. I think you will see some teams, especially after slow starts do that. Yeah. Well, the Orioles might win what five games this year, <laughs> man. Like, what's, it, the, what's, the, what's the point in winning 15 games this year? Like it, it's more beneficial to the future franchise to get hundred percent to get, a, to get a higher pick so that the, so that, you know, it's 60 games and no one's going to care about the season anyway. Just get a higher pick. Now, if the Phillies make the playoffs, yeah, I'm going to be happy that the Phillies make the playoffs. Of course. But I wouldn't hate a top 10 pick. So, and you know? also wouldn't, you know, and the whole thing, like I want them to win the world series this year, but like if I could pick any year for them to not win the world series and win it a different year instead, like obviously I would take the world series over no world series at all. But like, 
I'd much rather they win it next year, you yeah. know? Yeah. I'd much rather they win it the year after that than this year, which exactly. doesn't really feel that great. So I get it. I, 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 I don't necessarily agree with it, but I get it. That's all I asked for. My final one, and it kind of hit me last night, and I started really feeling it today. I think Scott Kingery is going to lead this team in war this season. Whoa! Yeah. Wow, that is a really... Uh, unexpected take. I know. Kingery breakout. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry okay. for ru- ruining your season, Scott, but um, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, poor Scott. Yeah, Jesus. poor put guy. It, put it in the bio and just crush him completely. <laughs> poor guy. I almost put baseball in the bio, um, <laughs> but whatever. Um, but yeah, I just I think he's going to have a monster year. I'm in on Scott Kingery. I, you know, the second okay. base thing, we'll see what happens there. But, you know, it's year three. He's, he's seen majorly pitching for two straight years. I think he knows what to expect now. Um, so I love this. I mean, year three, you do see a lot of players break out in year three. That is a thing. So, yeah, so we, we shall see, but, uh, I like that take. Scott King leads the uh, Phillies in war this year. I'll still take Harper, but I like that take. I like that take. I think he's going to have a really good year. Uh, you got any other final thoughts, Fritzy? Um, let's, I mean, uh, there's a fresh baseball, ba- fresh, baseball, fresh batch of high hops to enjoy baseball with over. Oh yeah. Four uh, Fingers Brewing potentially Company. Potentially a chance that I might find my way down there. We'll see. Wow. I might try hops this weekend. That's on the table. We'll see what happens. Look at you. If I do, if I do, you will hear a review on next week's pod. When we're talking about actual Phillies baseball. Let's go. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what the roster is going to break down. I'm, oh. I'm excited to see so- Didi. Uh, it's, Can't wait to analyze the taxi squad. I'm I'm just ready. It's just gonna it's just gonna be exciting to have it back in our lives and and being able to like again. I just give me a heartbreaking loss that I can just not <laughs> not get over for an entire night. I'll take it. I can't wait. Ready to have my heart broken and shout out oh. and shout out to Coach Colin Griffin because if if you weren't excited about Nick Abel uh, heading into this podcast, I mean. Now you have way more to be excited. If you're not excited now, there's something actually wrong with you. You <laughs> yeah. should go back and listen to the interview again because yeah. you missed it. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. Thanks to Coach Colin Griffin. Thank you to uh, – I'm not going to thank anyone involved in it, but thank you to uh, the gods of baseball for mm. bringing us baseball back. How about that? Because no one involved in the actual decision deserves credit. But thank you for baseball being back. Yeah, and and and, and, and the best part of it was it was so seamless and <laughs> painless that it didn't matter. I can't wait to never ever ever talk about it again, Jack. Until That's 20 until 2022. Oh, well, luckily next week we'll talk some Phillies baseball. Cannot wait for that. He's for it some South we'll see you later. Hey Flyers fans, it's Al Morgani here. I want to tell you about my new Flyers podcast, South Philly Sauce, along with Ashlyn Sullivan. We break down the ins and outs of the team while also bringing you the best interviews with players, coaches, and media members. You can hear the new episode every week, twice a week, on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts.